Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright Kieran Fitzgerald, chats to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama, from Wales and beyond, to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip, and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to this episode of In Lockdown With, with me, Kieran Fitzgerald. My guest on today's episode is Emily Nicole Roberts. Hi Emily, how's it going? Hi Kieran, you're right, it's going good, thank you. I haven't gone mad yet, so that's a plus. <laughs> I, I think, you know, we're all kind of getting to that stage where we're all a bit of a tipping point. <laughs> I agree, I agree. To be honest, I think I was born mad, so it's no different from what I like. You know, I'm just in the house all the time. Like, <laughs> like how, how has it been for you, though? Have you felt like a lot of people have felt quite isolated? Yeah, I got to admit, I try and keep positive, but obviously, I think a lot of people obviously have been isolated in lockdown. Um, it's quite nice, though, that we're all in the same boat looking at it on the positive yeah. side. If you're following the rules, that is people. And yeah, I think, you know, we've got some sense of hope with the vaccine now. So everyone's just hoping, I think, to go back to some sense of of normal by the summer, I guess. So I I wanted to start uh, by asking you, you're a YouTuber for people who don't know. You've got your own YouTube channel, you make some brilliant Mm -hmm. content about... um, autobiographical content really so how how did you kind of start out how did you make the decision to start putting yourself out there as it were so basically the story behind my youtube was when i was a teenager um i was kind of coming to terms with obviously being a wheelchair user and having cerebral palsy and being disabled and uh, i was always quite i thought that i was quite trendy when i was a teenager so I was like, all right, okay, well, you know, I am different. Maybe I need to try and figure this out. And I was always on the internet when I was, you know, yeah. as a teen. You know, I love being on the internet. So I thought, oh, no, I know what I'll do. I'll go on YouTube and I'll have a look to see if there's anybody like me out there who's got CP, who's in a wheelchair, see if they're putting any content out. So I went on YouTube and I was typing stuff in, like, um, how to get dressed uh, when you're in a wheelchair, how to live independently yeah. when you're in a wheelchair. And literally, the only things that were coming up was, like, old ladies um, using, like, disability aids getting dressed or, like, people who maybe, you know, they were nothing like me. So I never had the confidence to kind of be like, right, okay, what if that that content isn't out there? I'll make it. It was always like, well, I'm not doing that. I'm not showing how I'm getting dressed. But, yeah, that's embarrassing. I'm not, yeah. not showing how I transfer. And then as 
time grew up, I kind of thought, no, what if nobody's going to do it? Now that I'm, you know, coming to terms with who I am as a person, and now that I've got more confidence, I'm going to film, you know, the stuff that I was looking for as a kid, just in yeah. case there's somebody else out there who can take from it what I needed, you know? Do you think that kind of lack of a, a role model or lack of a positive disabled role model for you was an influence in terms of starting to make your own material? 100%, yeah. I mean, there are plenty of positive, there are plenty of positive disability role models out there, I just want to say that. However, mm. there was nobody I could relate to when I was younger, right. as I just felt that even the disabled people that were out there, they were something special. You know, you had Paralympians yeah. who were amazing, but I, I don't like sport, <laughs> so I couldn't relate to that. So I was like, right, okay, Paralympians, superhuman, super strength, all my days. And then you got Stephen Hawkins, who was, you know, super intelligent. Oh, he's in a wheelchair, but I can't relate to that. So I try and be as real and as authentic as possible. I'm not, you know, I'm not a supermodel. I'm not, there's nothing. I just like to see myself as normal. And I think, I think it's important that people have role models in the media and whatever that are just as is. And they're not trying to be mm. someone they're not. They're just trying to be themselves. Because I think if you can embrace yourself, you know, in the big social media, gotta be perfect, gotta yeah. be a 10 out of 10, you kind of help other people think, oh, well, she's normal like me. And that's all I wanted when I was a kid. But again, like you it's about challenging as well what we mean when we say normal. Like, people have got a perception of what that word means. And yeah. really, the, the concept of normalcy doesn't really exist. It's, and people, it's hard for, for people to realise that, I think. I think, um, I think the weird thing is, talking about the concept of normal, it's funny because people used to say to me stuff like, oh, you know, if you could walk, would you walk? And it's like, no, because being in a wheelchair is my normal. And they could never get their head around the fact that me being disabled was as normal as then getting up and walking down the street. I think the concept of normal is just what you're comfortable with or what you're used yeah. to in life. Um, I don't think there should be a one-size-fits-all what a normal human being is. I think as long as you're yeah, a nice yeah, yeah. person... Um, you know, and as long, as long as you're a good person, I don't know, with good intentions, that's pretty normal to me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think, yeah, that's something that, that, not that we need to challenge, but I think people need to, I guess, I say people, most of the time when I say people, I mean me. Um, but like, I think I need to embrace that, or we need to embrace that as disabled people more kind of generally, that there isn't something wrong with it. It's, uh, it comes back to, like, it's society that is the problem. Once you realise that, I think things get easier. Yeah. I 100% agree with you, yeah. I think, um, I don't like the word disabled, but I think because I was thinking the other day, when your iPhone or your, you know, if your iPad or your iPhone mm. is disabled, you can't use it. It's rendered useless. Yeah. I don't like that. Like, obviously, I'm not nitpicky, and I know I am classed as disabled, 
But I think even that word is pretty negative. Um, and I think it's so important for, you know, the wider world to kind of embrace people with differences. Just because yeah, we may yeah. be different doesn't mean we're unable, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Uh, I was talking about this to someone, to my mum actually, <laughs> last week. Um, I was explaining to her I feel more disabled by society and the attitudes that people have towards me than yeah. just because I have CP. The fact that I have CP isn't necessarily the problem. If the yeah. world worked for for us, then we wouldn't be classed as disabled. Yeah. Flipping it, I agree with you completely, Kieran. And you know what I say? I say that we adapt in an unadapted world. We adapt to the fact that the world is not adapted to us. I think there's so many situations and there's so many times where we have to change our behaviours and we have to change our approaches because the world isn't changing for us. No. So we just gotta, you know, we just gotta say, right, okay, this is what it is, and this is what I gotta do to make sure I get on. Absolutely. Um, but yes, it's not you. You know, if, if you ever come across any sort of negativity, never think it's you. It's, it's that person who's got the disabling attitude. Yes. It's not you at all. Um, and you're more than able. I'm gonna move on uh, slightly. And as I ask you, in terms of the early videos that you made, mm. what kind of a reception did you get? To be honest with you, I got really nice friends. So shout out to you if you're listening, any of my mates. Oi, oi. But um, yeah, they were really good. My mates were very, you know, they were very encouraging and they were all sharing the videos. Um, so I got a pretty wide reach when I first started. I've got to be honest, I expected to have a bit of trolling. I don't know if that's yeah. a negative narrative in me, um, but I expected to have some negative comments. Touch wood, I haven't had any. People have been really positive, um, which is nice, to be honest. Um, but yeah, the earlier videos, I was very awkward. I didn't know what I was doing. I was mm. nervous. I was like, how is this going to go down? Are people going to be interested? Am I going to get any views? Yeah. So I think... When you watch my early stuff, you can see I'm looking at the camera and I'm like, oh my God, help me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a good process because we, we've all got to start somewhere. So the early videos, yeah. even though they're cringy and even though it looks like I'm acting, um, you know, it, it was a good starting point for me to be able to start the journey I'm currently on. Was the intention to get views and to get numbers or was it primarily just for you to put yourself out there to have that platform i said to my mum if i can change one person's life shout out to our mums by the way like you talk to your mum i talk to my mum yeah i said to my mum if i can change one person's life that's better than me getting a million views i don't want to be famous i don't want to be a slave i literally if I had a direct message tomorrow from a girl saying, oh, I've got CP and you made me think that I could achieve anything, that would mean more than a million followers or a million subscribers. I don't care about the numbers. You know, the only way I care about the numbers is to get the most yeah, awesome yeah, absolutely. I don't care. I don't take any money from YouTube. I don't, it's not an income at all. I just do it. 
because I love to do it. Yeah. <laughs> the numbers I never forget, right? I reached fifteen subscribers and I was dancing on my house going, Fifteen, that's all <laughs> all my days is never been I never even expected to get a thousand. Because no. to be honest, I didn't think people were gonna be interested, so yeah, I, you know, it's kind of a similar thing with, with this podcast. Uh, there's a page where I can view how many people have listened. And when it's like, oh my god, ten people listen to that. It just, it just makes you feel good, doesn't it? It's a good feeling. Uh, and has sharing your personal experience affected your self-confidence in any way it absolutely has when i say i used to think that i was never going to achieve anything i used to have such a low opinion of myself people don't believe me when i say to them i used to feel like i was with jack i didn't used to like myself i could hardly look in the mirror it was just like oh what's the point of getting up today I'm not going to be able to do anything, blah, blah, blah. And since I put myself out there, to have people accept me, number one, and to also, you know, feel like I'm helping other people, that helps me. It's like a, you know, it's like a, yeah. it's like a chain reaction. I put myself out there, someone says I've helped them. By them saying I've helped them, they're helping me. So it's this constant, like, positivity train. It's kind of like... You know, it constantly is moving forward, and I don't regret putting myself out there. And if anything, with each video I put out, the more confident I get to be more honest and to be more yeah. raw and to be more upfront. I never, when I started the YouTube, I never expected to be trying to teach people how to get dressed, being a <laughs> No, I mean, it, yeah, it's it's completely changed my view of myself. Yeah, and it, it's it's helped me come to terms with who I am. I wouldn't say it's given me an identity, but it's given me a purpose. Yeah. You know, which has made me who I am today. And in terms of, like, actual, like, process, a creative process for making your videos, is it the same every time, or does it depend on what your video is about? Or... I'll be honest with you, right? Um, You're not going to be surprised by this. I have no clue what I'm doing. You say creative process, right? But I, just <laughs> put, the, I put the footage into the editor and hope for the best. I have no clue what I'm doing, what I'm clicking. I'm just like, oh, what will this look like? Oh, let's try this. Oh, what about this? Oh, yeah. Every time I make a thing, all I try and make sure is that, you know, you, you can see where I'm going with the concept. I have, literally, I've watched... I'd say two YouTube tutorials on how to use Final Cut Pro, that's it. I bought Final Cut Pro and thought, oh, let's give this a bash. That's <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> so, I guess you describe it as a bit trial and error. But, but like in terms of deciding what you're going to talk about, do you plan stuff, do you, oh, do you write? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Oh, I don't write scripts, um, but I definitely plan what I'm going to yeah. do. So, for example, if I'm doing a video in my series, How Emily, so if I'm doing, like, a doing video, I'll make sure that I've got the concept, 
you know, that it's doable, um, where I'm going to film it, so location, you know, if I'm going to do a wide shot of me in my wheelchair, if I'm going to do a close-up, I, you know, I do plan a bit, but yeah, it's not, uh, it's not super, super micromanaged. Mm. Uh, um, do you have any top tips for aspiring YouTubers? Yeah, definitely. My top tip would be don't care what anybody thinks or what anybody says. If you're passionate about something and if you feel like you've got something to say or if you feel like you've got a niche topic, definitely go for it because even though I was worried about it, when I first bought my camera, I bought my first camera from... My first camera was a budget camera and my tripod was from Amazon because mm. I didn't think I was going to stick at it. I thought, oh, I'll make a video, never post it anywhere because I'm one of these people where I have a new hobby every week right. and then I give it up. So <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm not going to stick to it. So, yeah, my top tips would be your first video isn't going to be the best, but it's a starting point. Don't, don't think that you're going to be you know, KSI on your first video because it takes time yeah. to kind of, like, God, I still I still make mistakes. I still watch my videos and I'm like, that's a mistake. Oh, I shouldn't have said that there and stuff like that. But don't be hard on yourself. People can tell when you're passionate about something. So number one, don't be hard on yourself. Number two, don't go for the, you know, high-tech equipment straight away because <laughs> it's a process. And also... Yeah. The more affordable equipment will have less fiddly buttons and settings and it'll just be easier for you to kind of get to grips with. Um, and also, number three, people will be passionate if you're passionate. So yeah. if they can tell that you love what you do, they'll get behind you. Um, yeah, and if you want to do it, just do it because you only get one life. So why not Absolutely. try it? <laughs> Um, you've you've spoken previously about how you kind of find it difficult to see yourself as a creative. Can you, um, can you talk a little bit about that? Of course, yeah. Because my videos are so personal, I literally just see it as me filming my life. I think a creative is someone who has some sort of, you know, I, I see a creative as a professional. So, you know, when I think of a creative photographer, I think of someone who knows what they're doing, they're the best in the field. Whereas me, literally, I'm just filming how I get up and down the stairs or how I exercise in my lounge. Like, it's not that deep for me. Like, it's just little clips of my mm. life. So when people are like, oh, you're a creative, I'm like, oh, no, I just get my camera out every week. Like, yeah. it's really not that deep. But I get why people, you know, it's a compliment to be called a creative. Mm. It's just I don't feel like I'm that professional. <laughs> Is this something that you would like to embrace? Like to be able to carry oh, the yeah. I mean, I don't really care what people call me as long as it's not something bad, like I don't know, you know But yeah, I think I definitely, if someone wants to call me a creative, like I said, I take that as a compliment. I hope to grow and I hope to get more professional with the process, but uh, I think that I am so relaxed with it just because it's, it's uh, like I said, I try and be as normal as possible and I don't want to make content that's unrelatable. I want people no. to see, oh, she should have edited it a bit better there because 
again, it's so, so normal. And if I do it, so mm. can you. And if I mess up, if you mess up, look, I've messed up. It's all, it's all part of And I think you can tell when, on certain videos, when things are slightly too perfect. When people mm. aren't necessarily being authentic. And from what you said, you're all about kind of authenticity and maintaining that sense of authenticity. Yeah. 100%, yeah, it's all about my brand, if you're, well, I haven't got a brand, but it, it's all about my message. I think I try and be authentic in my day-to-day -day life and authentic in my videos. Like, I'm not going to pretend that I'm Logan Paul and I've got all this expensive equipment and I've written these lines and I'm saying them off a piece of paper. No, no, I'm real. I'm like you, you're like me, you know. I don't want people to watch my videos and think, oh, well, I can't relate to that. Because my whole yeah. mantra is, look at me, we're the same, even though I'm disabled. Yeah, I think it, it is relatable, even for non-disabled people. Well, um, so you've started working with BBC Sesh as well. Um, mm -hmm. How did that come about? So basically, I just started my YouTube. I think I made one or two videos, and a few of my friends were like, "Oh my God, Emily, you know, you're so funny and all that. You know, do you realise you know, you're quite comedic?" Yeah. And my friend Tina, shout out to you, Tina, if you're listening. She sent me a message, and she was like, "Did you know about this?" And it was a link to the BBC Sessions website, and they were saying, "Are you a young person?" Um, are you interested in getting into comedy? Get in touch below. So as a laugh, as a joke, <laughs> right. I applied, right? And then I said to Tina, oh, I've applied to that BBC thing, lol. And then before I knew it, I had an email and they were like, oh, come down to the studio. And I'm like, oh, this is getting serious now. I'm like, what the frick? Um, but yeah. So then I went down to the studio, met the lovely lady there and, uh, she said, oh, you know, would you, we've seen your videos, we've checked you out. Would you be up for doing a little comedy skit for us? And I was like, yeah, why not? Mm. You know? So, yeah, that's how that started. Uh, and how much creative freedom did they give you? Were they kind of like, oh, we want you to do this? Or were you, did you have a big say in what you wanted to do? All I would say to anybody watching this who doesn't know what the session's about is it's absolutely self-led. You come up with a concept, you come up with a script, then you submit the script. So I came up, my first ever video I did for the sesh was five things not to say to someone in a wheelchair, right? So I wrote this script and then that had to be passed on to the manager and then the manager said yes or no. So he could say whether he thought it was something I could film and go ahead with. Yeah. So everybody who works on the session, every video you see is completely done by the creator. They okay. are, the, the, the BBC are helpful in that they'll help you and say, have you thought about this or what about this? But they, they love it when their creators come up with content. Because if you come up with the content, chances are you want to, you want to create the content. Yeah. So do you are the, you are the writer, you're the director, you're the filmmaker, you're everything. Yeah, and yeah, you... so when you work for the sesh, you're, uh, you are the writer, you are the filmer, and you, you know, you're, like you said, you are the director. So it's all you. The only, well, the main thing that the sesh do 
is they could give you some pointers on the script so they could get the idea and say, oh, have you thought about saying this? Yeah. Or what about putting this in? And then you send them your footage. So I film something from my camera and then they edit it for you. So uh, they do the final edit. And are you involved in that edit? And you get to say, oh, I like this, I don't like this? Yes. So what they'll do is they would say to me, right, Emily, we've had the footage, we've done the final edit, it's meant to be going out on Thursday, have a little watch, see what you think, if you want anything added or removed, let us know and we'll get it done. So they're amazing, I've got to say, people at the BBC sesh, they are literal angels. <laughs> have you, am I right in saying that you've done stuff for Hansh, uh, the SLC platform as well? Oh. That's right, yeah. So I um I decided to learn some Welsh because I'm from Wales and I felt guilty. Um so I learned some Welsh and then I found out about Hanch, which if anybody doesn't know, is basically another comedy platform um where people uh, debate topics or do videos on certain topics. And then the I was approached and asked if I could um again do some script writing. They already had the themes. They have particular themes um, that they wanted me to script right. write for and then act about in Welsh. So, like, when they gave you the themes, like, how were you confident that you could deliver on that? No, I wasn't. <laughs> they were really, they were really, really, really broad themes. So uh, they were like, uh, instead of I gone from doing work in the sesh, which was very targeted, like, yeah. okay, I'm definitely talking about five things, not for sake of someone in a wheelchair, to go into doing things for Hunt, which was like write something funny about water, write something oh. funny about Welsh rights, write you know, write something funny about meat. <laughs> so it was gone from very broad, no, gone from very, you know, tight-knit, quite broad. Yeah. It was a really good learning experience to try and be funny about random stuff. And, like, doing it in Welsh as well. How mm, confident yeah. were you writing in Welsh? So, basically, how it worked there was, because I'm from South Wales, I had to have a different dialect. So, if anybody doesn't know, in Wales, there's like different words for different things depending on where you're from in the country. So North Walians might say a different word to South Walians. So I basically submitted the script in English. I'm a proper fraud now to anybody that knows. But Hanch were really helpful to me. They knew that I was a predominantly English speaker and they said, right Emily, okay, submit the jokes in English. We'll translate them in Welsh. And then if you've got any problems with any particular words, We'll make it easier. Yeah. So it's I was less creative with Hatch because I needed more help, if that makes sense. Did you go to a Welsh medium school or English medium? I went to an English medium school. Um, however, I took Welsh A level in college. So that in itself is quite a feat. We've spoken about putting yourself out there, putting yourself out there in a language that you're not, if I'm right in saying, not that confident in. in. No, I'm not that good, Kira, I'll be honest with you. I'm still crap. <laughs> I still try. You know, I go on Halo and I still, you know, I went on Halo the other day and I had to learn the script. You know, right. I can't speak in Welsh fluently at all. 
if you said to me now, right, Emily, the next question is in Welsh, I'd be thinking, oh, Lord, Lordy, Lord, what am I going to say? But um, like I said, I think it's a good, it's a good exercise. I think I've got to push myself. And hunch was another opportunity for me to be like, right, get myself in front of a camera. Let's get disability on the map. Yes. Like, so I couldn't say no. Vessi, do you mind something I'm wrong? Vessi, first you left out, do you see Govini to you? So I'll stop now, I won't put you. I'm so how important uh, we've kind of covered this already, but how important is it that you use your platform to create social change and perceptions of disability? It's the whole reason I have a platform. Um, like I said to somebody the other day, if I wasn't in a wheelchair, I wouldn't even be making YouTube videos. My YouTube videos arise because I'm disabled. And I think if all I ever did was make videos for my room, that would be a crying shame. I think I've got, I always say, there's more I can be doing. There's always more I can be doing, more I can be fighting for, more I can be screaming and shouting about. Um, the YouTube, basically, fingers crossed, is just a springboard for me to be able to, you know, I'm not saying what I'm doing now isn't real change, but I want more from the world. I want more. Yeah. I want to change the world. I say that all the time. And I think if somebody can watch my videos and then believe in me and say, oh, we want this girl's opinion on this. So, we, you know, I want to be doing the most I can uh, to change mm. perception, people's perceptions of disability, however that is, you know? And what are you going to push you on this? But what do you think are, like, the active steps that you can take? Anything. I will do anything and everything in my power. If somebody offered me something... As long as I could physically do it, I would do it. If somebody said to me, look, Emily, we need your help on this, 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 and this. If I can physically do it for you, I'll do it for you. Because I think part of changing people's opinions and changing people's perceptions, you've got to be anywhere and yeah. everywhere. You never know who's watching what or who's no. reading what. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. And it's about making that... Yeah, getting that to the people who need to see it as well, because, 100%. you know, a large part of an audience are already going to be with you, and they're already going to be supporting what you're yeah. talking about in your ideas, but the people, I think, that really need targeting are the people who are maybe unsure about disability, maybe haven't had those experiences, Maybe they don't know anyone who's disabled. And bizarrely, they need to be given the confidence to feel more comfortable. I mean, we shouldn't have to do this, but we should. It's about making people more feel more comfortable, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I say I got the three E's, right? So it's I want to empower people, I want to educate people, and I want to encourage people. And that's mm. all about empowering them to view disability, encouraging them to ask about disability, and educating them about disability. I do not care if I am speaking to a four-year-old in the supermarket or a 40-year-old down the pub. If you want to ask me a question about my disability, 
please ask me mm. because it shows me that you're interested. As long as you're not being rude and as long as you're not being mean, talk to me for real. Yeah. I don't care. Because yeah. what I tell you, you might tell a mate. You might tell a mate. You might tell a mate. And then it's like it's like a chain reaction. I Absolutely. Um, that's why I try to... Obviously, like you said, it's 100% true. The people who are already following my journey, although I love them all, I'm trying to reach people who wouldn't necessarily search for, you know, um, girl in wheelchair getting dressed or girl in wheelchair transferring. I want to make people go, oh my God, who's that girl? Oh, she's funny. Yeah. Oh, she's also in a wheelchair. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. That they see you. They see you first, in a way, rather than not not being that girl with TP, being that girl who's funny on YouTube. Is, is that the kind of thing I, that you mean? Yeah, I, I, I struggle with this concept because my disability is a huge part of my mm. identity. Um, so I don't care if they see me as the disabled girl or if they see me as the funny girl. All I care about is that maybe I spark something in their brain to make them think, oh, I've never thought about someone disabled before. Like, oh, <coughs> you know, I yeah. want to just change attitudes. I don't, I don't really mind how I'm viewed or what I'm called within reason, people. But um, <laughs> I just want people to, I want to be, I don't know, I just, I want to be a trailblazer and that maybe I do make people sit up and, you know, maybe I do make them think, oh, that's different. That sparks something in my, you know, in my mind. Yeah. Maybe I'll look into disability a bit more, you know? And, like, in terms of, have you got, like, aims for what you want to achieve with the channel in the future? Uh, uh I, yeah, of course. I mean, I think everyone's got aims, but, like, I don't know, to be honest. I never, I don't see myself as a YouTuber. Like, I get called a YouTuber and I'm like, whoa. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I, the numbers don't matter to me. Like, I know, obviously, it's a paradox. Because on one hand, the numbers don't matter, but on another hand, you know, numbers mean that people are watching and more people are watching, more people changing attitudes. So it's a funny one. I I never, like I said earlier, I never expected to even be where I am. So I haven't predicted anything for the future. All I would say is, in the future, I just want to be helping as many people as possible, both with how they view themselves and with how other people view up in the decision. Yeah. That's really powerful. I think that's really powerful. And Thank you. you you've been recognised for what you've been doing. You've been shortlisted as one of the Prime Minister. I mean, we won't mm -hmm. talk about the Prime Minister, but like yeah. one of the Prime Minister's points of light. Mm -hmm. uh, what was that experience like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. And uh, like I said, 
the more people I can reach in the different platforms, the better. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Like and now you can count bias as a fan. And, and maybe well, I don't know if you subscribed. You probably didn't. <laughs> God. Yeah, you should check, you should tweet him and be like, Bias, why haven't you yeah. subscribed to my YouTube channel? And, yeah, um, in terms of, like, COVID, uh, we've touched on this briefly already, but have you found any challenges to keeping creative and staying creative during what's been a pretty difficult time? Yeah. 100%. 100 million gazillion percent. Some days I get up and I can't even be bothered to get dressed. Some days, no, small states, I'll be honest with you. I just sit in my house in my pyjamas some days. I forget what day it is and I'm like, I don't want to be making a YouTube video. I feel yeah. rubbish. Um, so yeah, I've definitely lost my creative spark. Um, you know, not forever, just for now. I think it's a part of, you know, I think that, you know, even though I'm making creative content, i got to remember that I'm a person as well. Yeah. I do feel, I think all creatives feel a sort of um, obligation to their audience to keep putting content out. Yeah. But I, um, I think, obviously, it went, I think the longest I went without making a video was something like four weeks. Um, right. And even though I felt bad, because I normally, I normally try and do something a week. Even though I felt bad, it was like, well, I tried, I'll be honest, I tried to make content one week. And I was literally, you could tell, when I look back at the footage, you could tell that my heart just wasn't in it. I was not my usual yeah. self, my mood was all over the place. And I was just thinking, I can't use this footage. If I put this out, people are going to know there's something wrong. So, yeah, I think it's been pretty normal that the creative cloud is just absolutely gone. Um, but... What I'd say to anybody who is a creative or who may be feeling a little bit low is that you matter most, even though, because you put the content out, you know, if, if yeah. there's something not right, it's going to reflect in your work. So, yeah, don't worry about it because it's better to put something amazing out after making yourself feel amazing rather than putting something out because you feel you have to and people being like, oh, that's not your usual yeah. standard. Uh, yeah, you... It's that pressure, I, I guess it's people putting pressure on themselves to have to do stuff. And yeah, I think we all feel that, but I think it's good to like take a step back and look at the bigger picture and think about yourself, even though you're doing yeah. this for yourself. Mm. Sometimes it was good to like take that step back. I but, agree. So, I... Like, I want to, this next question, um, I think I've worded it a bit badly. I'm sorry. But I'm thinking about, like, this is something that I've been thinking about recently, like, the relativity of achievement, I call it. It's mm -hmm. like, kind of, I see it as when comparing yourself to other people and what other <laughs> people are doing when they're the same age as you. And it's something that, I've struggled with a little bit in terms of seeing people. It's mainly due to social media, I think. Um, seeing people who are the same age as me, maybe at a different stage in their lives than I am. So I was wondering 
if this is something that you've noticed and like if you had any tips in terms of how to respond to it and dealing with it and things like that. 100%. I'm really thankful that you've brought this up, Kim, and I've got to be honest. What an amazing question. Um, I think a lot of people hold themselves to other people's lives and other people's standards, but what you've got to remember, my top tip would be, there's only one of you on the planet. Why do you want to be like someone else? Yeah. Why do you want to achieve what other people are achieving when your life is completely different to theirs and it's different to theirs for a reason. You know, there's no one person on this planet who can say, oh, I live in that house as well. I live, you know, yeah. I've got that cat, I've got that. You know, we're all different. And I think people have got to remember that, you're, you know, there's what, 8 billion, 7 billion people on the planet and no yeah. one person is the same. So why... Alright, I know that we're all, we're similar as people, but no one person is going to have the same journey, and I think that's quite powerful. I think when you yeah, flip it on its head, and when you think, well, actually, what I achieve and what I do in my life, nobody's ever going to do it in the same way, because it's mine, no. it's, it's, it belongs to me, and I think, instead of looking at other people and thinking, oh, well, they've got a house and they're married, and they've just had a new promotion, you know, think, oh, well, I can do this and, you know, they maybe haven't done that. I think uh, equality, yeah. you know, different achievements. Achievements don't always have to be physical and they don't always have to be sparkly and glowing <laughs> dark. You know, what I think's amazing, you might look at and think, well, personally, I don't think that's great. But I think if we hold ourselves accountable to our own, you know, level of, well, I think that's bloody ace. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, you can flip it around. Like, I might say to you, oh, I, I managed to knit a pair of gloves last night. Like, well, hey, and you might be like, well, that's crap. <laughs> but, like, you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think it's awesome. Like, exactly. And that, I think that should be all that's important. That it matters to you. And if you feel that you achieved something, yeah. yeah. But, and if it, I knew, I know you spoke about like progression in the future earlier, but if you feel, if you feel that what you're doing is helping you and benefiting you and moving you forward, mm. yeah, that's what I think. As long as you're moving forward, I think. I agree, 100%. It is so, you know, even if you take one, like you said, I totally agree with you, and I'm just following on with your point. Even if you say to yourself, right, well, I feel like, I've achieved on myself 10% more than the version I was last year. That's still 10%. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think social media just amplifies everything and it amplifies it only. It makes you feel like you've got to be the best, look the best, have the best. And it's like, no, that's not real no. life. Social media, even though I love it and I use it to market and promote myself, it's not who I am. No, exactly. And it's like people show a version of themselves on social media. It's not, you're never ever going to see a rounded view of someone from what they put on Facebook. And yeah, it's, you just got to remember that there's a lot that people aren't saying. And they might be struggling as well. And it's, don't, like we were saying about taking things at face value. Well. I think uh, an important thing is I've um, I've stopped editing my photos on Instagram. 
Right. I used to have a, um, sorry, I'm just turning my phone off, sorry. I used to have a theme on my Instagram where all my pictures would be a similar colour and I'd edit them all. And, at, you know, at the beginning of last year, I thought, well, why am I doing that? You know, I'm trying to be real. So yeah. now every photo I put up is unfiltered because if somebody can look at it and be like, oh, well, she got something weird on her face for there, or she got a spot for there, I think yeah. it's healthier and being like, oh, she never looks bad. Her hair's yes. never looks bad. Yeah. No, no, my hair's a mess sometimes. Look, but I'm still posting this photo because it means something to me. No, I, Absolutely. I, I think. But it's hard because social media is competitive. It's very much, I'm the best. I look the best. I've got the best. But I think people have got to re- re- remember that they're amazing, whether they're, you know, it's not about what you look like or what you've got. It's about who you are. Absolutely. It's, yeah, like you said, it's about remembering that, remembering who you are, I guess. And finally, the last question I'm going to ask you before I let you go back off into the world is, what advice would you give to someone who maybe is kind of thinking about starting out something, starting to create content or put themselves out there? What would you say to them? All I would say is, do whatever makes you feel the most comfortable. Make sure that you're comfortable throughout the whole process. So, if you're deciding to start making music, or if you're deciding to start making YouTube bits, make sure that you've got a strong support network around you. Make sure you've got your family encouraging you, or your friends encouraging you. And don't... Just do it because you love it. Don't do it because you're trying to impress people or because you're trying to become something. As long as you, as long as you care about what you're yeah. doing, don't worry about what anybody says or what anybody thinks. I mean, I was really fortunate when I started my YouTube. My friends didn't know about it. And I just said, "Oh my god, I started YouTube." That was when I posted my first video. Oh. So my friends were nuts because none of them knew about it. The only person right. that knew about it was my mum. Um, but yeah, they were all very supportive. And also, even though I haven't encountered any trolling or any negativity, all I would say is, if you do encounter any negativity, although it can be hard, just remember there are person behind the screen. There are coward. You know, they're not yeah. real. It's not real. Report it. You know, get rid of it. Just try and, you know, just remember, you know, remember why you're doing what you're doing. And to be honest, feel sorry for that person that they've got to try and bring you down. You know, there's obviously yeah. something wrong with them. There's something going on in their lives that they've got to try and, you know, be negative. Yeah. You know, don't, don't, they're not attacking you. They're just attacking anything. They're obviously... There's obviously something not right. So don't be discouraged. Don't give up. They, it's their problem, not your problem. Again. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been fab to like get to know you a bit more and get to hear a bit more about the work that you're doing. Um, but that is just about it for this episode of In Lockdown With. My guest on next week's episode, I think at the moment, is the playwright Beth Ann Marlowe. So please like, uh, share, listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And until then, it's bye from me, and it's bye from Emily.
Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown With. The podcast is written, produced and curated by me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.